Blog Talk Radio. Okay, I think I have no intro music here, everyone, so I'm going to dive right in. This is unbelievable. I am back on Direct Connect, which is Blog Talk Radio kind of premium sound. Can you all hear me? Hello, hello. Yeah, normally we would have some intro music there, and I'm thinking that when I was um, planning for the Direct Connect connection, excuse me, the Direct Connect connection to come back, I did not plan the intro music accordingly, so I'm sorry about that glitch. This is Don't Let It Go Unheard. Uh, Today is October 3rd, Saturday. I am your host, Amy Peikoff, and try not to fly by the seat of my hands. Oh, I'm getting some echo, we're saying here in the chat room. Selfishness says sound is A-OK, but for John, he's getting some echo. How are we sounding here? Keep giving me some feedback on the sound as we go on. As I said, this is the first time we are back on Direct Connect. This is where the sound is supposed to be better, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, The title of tonight's show, which I was, you know, really kind of pondering for a while, is this, the question, is nihilism the new normal? And, you know, in addition to, of course, the Oregon mass shooting at a community college this week, there are so many stories exhibiting this idea of nihilism, whereas you may know, of course, a nihilist is someone who is out to destroy man's mind, our values, everything that's dear and important to us, just for the sake of destruction. And there are a number of stories this week that, you know, uh, are examples of this, not just the mass shooting in Oregon. And in fact, you know, it's interesting. I put together, I, I just have this little four by six card in front of me, a little index card. And I figured, okay, I'd jot a few notes about the few stories that I was going to talk about. No, there wouldn't be that many that were really discussing nihilism. And, oh, are we getting, we're getting some echo, fuzzy sound, skipping. So people are having a hard time with this, with this connection. Tell me, and if we keep having trouble with the connection, I'm going to go ahead and dial in and do the Skype thing if I have to. So just let me know. Um, It sounds like John had some uh, good luck refreshing the page. I hope it works. I hope it works okay here. Do let me know. You know, Blog Talk, for a while, they took the Direct Connect uh, down because it was giving them so much trouble. Anyway, so so listen to this. I mean, in terms of, you know, there's the shooting, and then, of course, there's Obama's speech where he was calling for gun control before we could even really say very much about the shooter and his motives or anything, (sighs) calling for news media to put statistics out there about gun violence and stuff. So we have that. Uh, There's the Pope meeting Kim Davis. There is, you know, at the UN, Netanyahu having to do 45 seconds of silence because of the UN's failure to address Israel's concerns about the Iran deal and you know particularly because Iran threatens to destroy Israel which is a good 
country, there is a woman who decided that she needed to blind herself, actually destroyed her own vision. There is New York City, its mayor, honoring a kid who plays a prank with a so-called clock that looks like a bomb. The New York City Council honors a woman who may have helped get nuclear secrets to our enemy. European youth this week actually cheered a defense of the Charlie Hebdo massacre. A candidate for president here in the United States has chosen decorum over the one candidate in the Senate who is actually calling out our elected officials for their nihilism. What else do we have? We have no mention by our president of the hero in the Oregon Community College shooting, uh, Chris Mintz, who was the one who took seven bullets, dodging, you know, uh, charging the shooter. We have a global police force that's being called for between our government and the UN going after so-called extremists. We have a plan by Obama, uh, you know, administration, you know, these, these administrative agencies are going to be annexing our suburbs in order to achieve his nihilist egalitarian aims. I've got this random story. Hillary Clinton paid $9,000 to get a soundtrack for her campaign, so that's $9,000 down the drain. Jobs are in the tank thanks to the nihilist policies of Obama and the Fed. Even Facebook is doing all sorts of things to mess with our minds and our and our values. Boehner, I think Boehner, you know, has destroyed a lot of values in his career. What else do we have? Um, a passenger, this is just a random story, you know, kind of one of these minor ones, but it still fits in with this theme of nihilism. A passenger is late for an airplane. So she phones in or she or he, I don't even know what sex, uh, phones in a bomb threat. So the passenger wouldn't miss the flight because, you know, you know, the flight's going to be delayed if there's a bomb threat. So, you know, if you're late, you know, you just like phone in a bomb threat. That's real value oriented. Uh, migrants in the European Union have stormed the Euro Tunnel, which resulted in it being shut down because, of course, their demands of being treated in an egalitarian fashion aren't being met. Uh, an FTC chief has called for targeted regulation of Uber and Airbnb, basically to destroy these two new examples of free market capitalism that have succeeded and then I've got the New York Times talking about the modern man. This is, <laughs> these were the, the few stories that had to do with nihilism that I was going to tie together. And as I kept going on, I kept seeing more and more and more. And actually, I think I even have a couple more in some of my files here. So if any of these are stories that have also interested you this week and you want to talk about them, go ahead and call in and talk with me at 760 But again, the question I'm asking with all of these stories dealing with the theme of people who seem to be out to destroy 
human being's mind and values. It's all here. It's all here. Um, if you want the latest on the Oregon mass shooter, there is one story, and I'm not even sure if it is a valid story or not. It's supposedly out of Russia. The federal security services there are reporting that this, um, what is his name, Chris Harper Mercer, that he had been identified on a suspected terrorist list, suspected Islamic terrorist list, and that the CIA actually refused to accept this list last month because it is not, quote, politically viable in the present atmosphere for our CIA to accept this list from Russia. And they're saying that, you know, the alleged story is that he actually tried to go to Syria via Turkey during the first week of September. And of course, then that would imply like, you know, there are a number of other people who have tried to do this. And then when they are frustrated in their efforts to do this, that they end up going out and committing terrorism on our own soil. I don't know if this is true. If anybody can tell me the reliability of the EU Times or again go down if you actually find this article from the EU Times, I've I've linked to it on the Don't Let It Go on her page on Facebook. At the bottom of it there's a source that it links to. I have I just don't know whether this is uh reliable. Rob in the chat room says if it wasn't for Alex Epstein coming to Oklahoma City this week, I would be depressed. Yes. And this is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm giving you this whole list of stories. To me, uh, the bright lights in the, you know, the news that I've seen are, of course, uh, Chris Mintz, who is the hero who actually, you know, kind of dove in the way and took all of those bullets and lived. So we didn't have to say, okay, this guy died. Uh, and I mean, what a, what a wonderful heroic story. And what it, what it tells you too is, I mean, I don't know how much more common attacks like this are going to be on American soil. I do know that Obama seems to have no intention of eliminating the idea of a gun-free school zone anytime soon. So what would you do if you found yourself in a situation like this? I guess you may as well charge the guy because, hey, you might take a bullet, but maybe at least you're going to take a bullet like in the leg or something instead of being killed. Um, I think everybody should be on the premise of charging. Um, we've seen this succeed. This strategy have some success a couple times now, right? We had the guys, uh, different members of the American military who are on vacation in France on the train, charged the guy, and they all did okay. Um, here, you know, this poor uh, Chris Mintz guy, he shot up seven times, but he was smiling, at least in, in the hospital bed. And yeah, Trevor in the chat room says he won't get a White House visit, though. Yeah, and that's the meme that's been going around. He's not being invited to the, the White House. The, the person who's being invited to the White House is somebody who played a prank, as far as we know. So um, unbelievable. I do have a call here that I'm going to go ahead and grab because I'm definitely eager to speak with you guys this evening. Hi, is this Debbie? Hi, Amy. Yeah, it's Debbie. Great. I recognize the uh, the area code there. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, uh, especially in light of all the bad news. Um, 
I don't know, I guess uh, one has to focus on non-news values in order to keep one's spirit up. Um, but, yeah. So do you think, do you think I missed anything? I mean, I gave, I gave you this whole laundry list of just horrible, horrible nihilistic news stories. And what is going on? I mean, why are people out there taking these actions that seem deliberately calculated to destroy values? Well, I hate to pile on, but there is one story that they did that they talked about this week on the Adam Carolla show, which mm-hmm. is also an instance of nihilism. Um, there was a situation where, in a high school, some bully who has apparently terrorized other students in the past, he was punching a blind kid in the head, just pulling oh. the guy, and another guy. A member of the football team, he saw that, and he intervened, and he just kind of went running in and punched bully and got him. You know, he neutralized this guy and successfully defended the poor kid who was getting beat up. But right. he got suspended. The hero who saved the other kids got suspended from school because they have a zero tolerance policy on fighting. So they made no distinction between the bully who was beating this kid up, this helpless, defenseless kid, and the guy who defended the victim who was unable to defend himself and was getting beaten up by the bully. I mean, that that is that is outrageous. Yeah. Um, it really is. But it's getting a lot of attention, and I think it's pretty clear at this point that there's going to be backlash, um, that there already is. And uh, so hopefully that they'll be shamed into reversing their disciplinary action that they had taken against the person who decided to go ahead and defend an innocent person who was being pummeled by a bully who has a history of terrorizing people at school. And the school has done nothing about the bully. But they went ahead and stepped in and suspended the good guy who was trying trying to do the right thing. So, um, you know, what, what what you're talking about here reminds me of two different uh, stories that I forgot to talk about. One was, you've probably seen the video that was being passed around social media. There was an 80-some-odd-year-old Asian man who was early in the morning in Santa Ana, California, going to the store or something, and they have this video of him, um, you know, in the parking lot, it's a security camera video, you know, that was taken remotely. And they, you see a black man come up and just randomly start pummeling the guy. Mm. So a much younger, much younger, much stronger black man comes up and just pummels this elderly Asian man, just this nice guy, for no apparent reason. You don't see that there was any interaction. He just comes up and starts pummeling him, kicking him and everything else. Uh, Pure nihilism, as far as I can tell. And then uh, the other story, which, you know, ended up with some backlash, and it was at a school. I don't know if you saw the one where in, in one school, I think it was near Seattle, they were going to eliminate the game of tag. You couldn't play tag if you're a kid on a, you know playground at recess it's this whole idea of protecting the kids feelings and everything oh. you know it's yes <laughs> horrible oh. um 
But then within hours of this, you know, supposed ban on the game, there was such an backlash from parents, you know, who were outraged at this, that they reversed themselves within a matter of hours. And so when you, so when you were telling me the story about this poor heroic kid getting suspended, I was thinking they should be able to reverse something like that within a matter of hours too. That's in some ways more outrageous. Although I don't, you know, I don't know. How do you compare apples and oranges like that? But there's just so much of an attack on our good old traditional American values, the good part of our traditional American values. Yeah. Well, they may have reversed that because I haven't heard any updates about the story. And at the time when they were discussing the story, part of the story was that there was a petition to get the kid, the good guy who got suspended, a petition to get him his suspension reversed, and it had something like 30,000 signatures on it already. So um, I'm pretty sure that that's going to go that way, but I don't know. I mean, I, I have to look up the story online. But as far as positive values, um, they did that. The people on that show, on the on the Adam Carolla show, were um, saying some really good things and, and making some pretty good points about it. Like, for instance, Adam went on a tirade and was saying, well, zero tolerance means that we're just going to stop thinking. Zero tolerance means zero thinking. That you know that we're not going to take responsibility or use judgment, and we're just going to shut our minds down and um, pay no attention to the circumstances and and, and um, not use any judgment. And I thought that that was a pretty good. Um, oh yeah, I mean this idea that you can mechanically apply rules and come out with any sort of an outcome that is at all like justice. It's so funny because earlier today I was teaching, I have a philosophy of law seminar that I've been teaching this semester. And the topic for today was the theory of adjudication that is uh, promulgated by Dworkin. And Dworkin argues that when judges rule in cases, you know, when they decide cases, that the interpretation of the law that they come up with is constructive, that yes, they actually have to make judgments, including normative judgments, in order to reach the best, you know, ruling. And in fact, that we should consider judges as having a duty to find law in this way, which actually involves them actively making judgments about situations. And this is exactly what the school officials have to do, too. They have to apply rules in a fair way, given the totality of the facts. And they can't just sit back and hope that, you know, the ruling's going to automatically imprint itself on their minds or something. If that, you know, if that's what you think objectivity yeah. is, you've got another thing coming, right? Right, but I don't even think they want anything imprinted on their minds. They just want to robotically follow this policy that says you can't, you can't hit anyone. And it's like if I mean, if that policy is been in place in Oregon where the shooting happened, then this hero who was trying to defend against the shooter would be in some kind of trouble now. <laughs> I mean, that's just ridiculous if you're gonna be that mindless and militant about following some stupid policy. Right. Um, but yeah, that 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 is also a good thing though about about man who um what I read subsequently, I, I, I can't really get a clearer understanding of what happened. I had thought at one point that he charged the shooter, but then I, all, I read somewhere that he, what, what he did was he barred the door. 
because the doors to these classrooms don't lock. So what he did was he braced himself up against the door and um, after And that's how he ended up taking bullets because he was bracing himself against the door? What I read was that he had been shot twice first and then he was holding the door at some way to keep the shooter out. So maybe that implies that he like charged the shooter and pushed him outside and then held the door shut. Um, But I'm just not clear on it. It's kind of confusing. There's, There's just a whirl of partial reports seemingly out there, and I haven't found a really good coherent story yet that really makes it clear what happened. But what I have You know, I haven't haven't heard that he's been brain damaged or anything in any way, so I'm really looking forward to seeing an interview with him when he's well. Yeah, (sighs) yeah, exactly. If he's going to make a full recovery, which is wonderful, then we can just get his account for him. Um... But one thing I had a, a thought, this is actually why I called um, a couple thoughts on that shooting. One is, if it were the case that this guy, the shooter, um, is, uh, that it was an act of Islamic terrorism, that he's a Muslim, then I don't know if I believe that, because he didn't shout Allahu Akbar or anything like that, according to all a lot of witness accounts are being published, and nobody said okay. So it just seems a little unlikely to me. I could be wrong, but it seems unlikely that nobody would have reported that he made any kind of a statement like that about Islam or or Muhammad or Allahu Akbar. And um, it seems to me more like a purely nihilistic, you know, kind of like the Columbine scenario or, you know, it seems more like one of those things. I, I could be wrong, but... Um, have you ever heard of a Muslim committing an act of terrorism and not making some kind of proclamation? You know, I was I was just uh, thinking of the Sarnev brothers from the Boston uh, Marathon massacre, and I don't oh, recall yeah. whether I don't recall whether they shouted anything. That's true. That's a good point. I don't think that I heard anything about them. Yeah, and and the reason I was thinking about them is because they were supposedly also on these lists, right, of the Russian, the you know the Russian list of suspects. Right, so, which we ignored. Which we ignored, right? And and again, I don't know. I would love people to tell me whether this is accurate or not, but it's a it's a pretty big allegation to say that this guy was actually trying to leave to go to Syria and stuff. Um, you'd think yeah, that he'd be watched. Be well, and and you'd also think that if he had actually attempted to leave that recently, that he would have been being watched super closely, and that especially if he was posting things online, that you know they would have gotten him before he was able to do any damage. Um, of course, the horrible, you know, majorly nihilistic aspect of this story from our president was the way that he addressed the whole situation in that briefing. I don't know if you watched it. I didn't watch the briefing. I actually just have the text of the briefing. I often just go to whitehouse.gov and just print this thing out so I can read it as opposed to actually have to listen to him uh, Yeah, say I don't usually have the stomach for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't blame you if you don't either. There isn't much to be gained from actually watching and listening to him. Now, see, I've got I've got Flycatch who sometimes drops in the chat room for the show here in the chat room saying, Amy, were you aware that the shooter was on the terrorist watch list? And that's exactly the story that I've been talking about here, Flycatch. But the, given the source 
of this story, I'm not sure if it's accurate. So if you have a link to maybe some good hard news on that, I would love to see it because all I have is eutimes.net and I understand it's maybe sketchy. And in particular, the the site that it links to as its source seems like a very conspiracy theory sort of site and I don't know anything about it. So I can't vouch for it is what I'm saying. Um, but this story has been getting out there and getting a lot of circulation. So people can let me know if they know anything about this source. Um, yeah, so he, so here's Obama. He goes out there and he gives this speech and immediately comes in and starts talking about the need for gun control. He out and out lies, um, you know, about the statistics. He says, you know, the states with the most gun laws tend to have the fewest gun deaths. Now he's hiding behind, yeah, he's hiding behind the word tend. I, I read um, on Facebook there was a detailed analysis of comparing the number of gun deaths that we have in the United States to the deaths in New Zealand, for example. And, of course, as a numerical matter, you know, just, you know, bare numbers, yes, there's fewer in New Zealand where they have really strict gun control laws versus here. However, um, if you adjust for population, apparently we have fewer deaths here than they do in New Zealand. Why? Because in New Zealand, everyone is disarmed. Um, they have state-by-state state analyses. You know, Obama, one thing that was, I think, horrible and out of line for him to do is that he was trying to tell the media outlets to go out and do some research. And he says, you know, I want you guys to go out, in essence, and, um, you know, I want you to tally up the number of Americans who've been killed through terrorist attacks over the last decade and the number of Americans who've been killed by gun violence and post those side by side. Now, of course, how are they allowed to define what terrorism is and isn't? There's that question. Um, but also, I mean, why is he telling them? He says, he says, I'll ask news organizations because I won't put these facts forward myself, you know, have you guys do it. It won't be information coming from me. It'll be coming from you as if CNN are not his lackeys. Right? Wow. So he's telling them specifically what he wants to see. He's doing, right. Oh, oh, that's just disgusting. He's basically like talk about confirmation bias. He's telling his lackeys to dig up precisely a specific set of numbers. And it's pretty clear in the context what outcome he wants to see in those yes. numbers. Yes. And and also he's he's out there basically, you know, calling for gun control. He is completely evading the fact that the reason so many people died in this situation is because it was a gun-free school zone. In fact, there was one story about a military veteran who was close by and he the this vet had a concealed carry permit and he was carrying legally and could have gone in to help much more quickly than the police getting there, you know, because of all they had was unarmed security guards. And they, he was not permitted to go in and help even though he was armed legally. And of course they had a, a gun violence situation going on on the campus. You know, like you were saying before, they're not gonna make any exceptions. So if it's not the police showing up with their guns, 
it doesn't matter what's going on. I guess they're not going to allow an armed, legally armed military veteran to go in and, you know, make an exception to the, quote, gun-free school zone and get some help exactly in there. I, so who wouldn't allow him in? Who is he trying to get through to get in there? You know? I mean, was it like the administrators or, or the police or what? Cause if the police were there, that wouldn't make sense. Probably the campus security and administrator because the police weren't <laughs> there yet as far as I know. Oh, speaking of campus security, I also read that there had been some previous incident of involving violence on that same school in the past, and it wasn't anything like this. But it may have involved a gun. I can't remember from uh, reading it a couple days ago. But um, what happened was there was some kind of a violent incident on that campus, and the administration decided that they were going to get security guards in place to protect against future violence. But the security guards could not carry guns. So there were security guards in place to prevent this from happening, but sorry, gun-free zone. So I guess they're just supposed to throw rocks at the guy who's trying to shoot the place up, or right, right, yeah. I I don't, I don't know how. I mean, and 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 think about this: it wasn't the security guard who even charged this guy. The one who charged him was just a student at the school. So it sounds like the only thing the security guard did was stop the other guy from going in and intervening. Right, so and maybe they, maybe they maybe they called nine one one. Right, they called nine one one. Fox maybe. in the chat room here is saying that it would be a liability issue, and I was thinking that, of course, V as an attorney was thinking, yeah, they don't want to allow this guy to go on and help because they could be held liable, and I think that's horrible. You've got this situation. Um, yeah, uh, Trevor was saying that security. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I mean, I'm just saying it's an emergency. Why can't people differentiate? I mean, in terms of liability, I know. Wouldn't, all, all, wouldn't all that kind of be suspended if it's an emergency? Well, and, and you would you would think, I mean, the the you know whatever you could say about the liability of the school or the decision making of any of the people in that emergency situation, all of it is the fault of the shooter, this scumbag who went onto campus with the intent to kill everybody. That is the thing that made everybody else do what they were doing. And that, and it should, you know, uh, exculpate all of them. The one thing that I liked that we saw come out of this, you know, again, I told you that Obama during this speech, I mean, he, he says very little about, you know, we're sorry for the families or whatever. He just says, Oh, we don't know what made the guy do this. Oh, probably there's some mental illness, but Hey, we really need to control guns and, you know, let's all get the strength to get together, whatever party we're in and achieve political change. And, you know, all I'm, all I'm asking for is modest regulation of how we use a deadly weapon, you know, just modest. And you won't even let me have that. You know, he's trying to make it seem like his ambitions with respect to guns are so modest and minor and non-threatening. And those naturally Republicans just support him every step of the way. It's just because they hate black people. He's just got these reasonable and and noble intentions. Nobody will let him do what he wants. Right, right. And and as I said, you know, he's there, he's trying to actually tell the news agencies what facts he wants to, you know, to put together. And CNN lockstep went ahead and put that report out there and made sure it looked like, you know, so many more people die from gunshots than do from terrorist attacks. Of course, I would call this a terrorist attack myself. So how, you know, how do they classify those? But then the great thing is, 
Breitbart put a story out and said that 92% of mass shootings, 92% of mass shootings occur in gun-free zones. Oh, yeah. That is a a statistic that Obama didn't want to see. And I think it is, it is so horrible that he has the power to change that one fact, these gun-free zones, and he knows that if he did that, there would be fewer mass shootings like this. And yet he, he won't do it, you know? It's called a soft target. It's a soft target. It's a place where someone can go uh, right. with evil intent and know that they will not be met with any effective resistance uh, when they go in there and do what they want to do. Um, and so, yeah, that's, 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 that might even be the worst thing of all about this, is that there are people who, for, for their own reasons of advancing their own agenda, keep a system in place that ensures this type of thing is going to continue to happen. And the shooting that happened in Oregon probably would not have happened if, if uh, or at least if it had been started, it would have been stopped. Right, or or in, or in South Carolina at the church, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's, is the church something that the government says is a gun-free zone, or is that just well, no, it doesn't. I mean, I I think some some agency or it could even be the church itself says that they're a gun-free zone. But I'm saying that whenever you declare some place to be a gun-free zone, then you're asking for. I mean, you're not asking for it, but you're at least leaving yourself open to that. Now, let me ask you this question, Debbie, of all the candidates in running for the 2016 presidential election, which one to you seems to be the most pro-gun right candidate? Oh, boy. Well, I don't really know. I mean, if I had to guess, I would guess that um, Ted Cruz is probably up there. I mean, he's from Texas, and just given what his positions are on other issues, I would think that it would be him. But I actually don't have any information about what these candidates' positions are on guns. Right. So I, right. I mean, yeah, right. And 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 this have- is the thing. So you have seen. I've actually seen two different videos that have been circulated in the last months of Ted Cruz shooting, uh, you know, some sort of machine guns. And there was one video that was pretty funny. It was called "It was called Machine Gun Bacon." Did you see Machine Gun Bacon? No, but isn't that to do with like cooking bacon by wrapping it around the barrel of the gun and then it's heat right. up? Right, right. So there, uh, there is a video of Cruz, <laughs> and he's shooting the machine gun with the bacon wrapped around it, and that cooks the bacon, and then he eats it, right? And of course, he wrapped it around. You actually see him do it. He wraps the bacon around, and he then he put he puts the tin foil around that, and cooks the bacon. Um, beautiful and clever. <laughs> right, right. That. So, so that I would say like you know just just based like- on. I was going to say, just you know, just based on what we've seen out there during this campaign season so far, people would, in their minds, associate Ted Cruz with being probably the most pro-gun right out there. He's very, you know, at least out there in your face about it. Probably other candidates have similarly, you know, pro-Second Amendment positions. But this, imagine, 
Again, this is a speech given the day of this shooting. And here is Obama. He says that, you know, this, that this horrible thing's happened. He says it's going to require, uh, you know, the change that we need to have. He says it's going to require the American people individually, whether you are a Democrat or a Republican or an independent, when you decide to vote for somebody, are making a determination as to whether this cause of continuing death for innocent people, i.e. guns, right? Not people, guns, should be a relevant factor in your decision. If you think this is a problem, then you should expect your elected officials to reflect your views. And I saw him at that moment making a particular stab at Cruz because Cruz has been out there pro-gun rights. The other thing that he said is he said you should also think about whether your views, this is Obama, he says you should think about whether your views are properly being represented by the organization that suggests it's speaking for you. And there he's talking about the NRA. Yeah. Well, I agree with Obama, actually, in this case. I do think about which elected official is going to properly represent the interests with respect to this problem of innocent people and of myself. And it's people who are against his gun control laws. So, yeah, sure, I give that some thought. I think everybody should give that some thought and actually think about it. And, you know. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> if, you're, if you're not a member of the NRA, this is a great time to join. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate that suggestion from Obama, actually. There isn't much he does that I appreciate, but I have to you know, but th- this idea that, you know, we have this culture where someone like this guy, from what I understand, people were talking about he maybe took a number of different types of psychiatric drugs to, there was some post about, like, he didn't, he had all of these different types of pills in one container, and he didn't know which one were which, so he took four of each of them or something, and I was like, okay, this is horrible. Um but, you know, he's motivated by having some sort of fame. And what is true is that if you got rid of this idea of a gun-free zone, then there wouldn't be the hope of actually being able to kill a whole bunch of people and, quote, achieving fame like this guy thinks he is or whatever. Um, it would be totally shut down. One thing, I, I don't think that the media has actually, the mainstream media has put much out there about the shooter himself. But I also don't know whether they have put very much out there about the hero, Chris Mintz, who no doubt saved the lives of, of some of the students there on, on the campus. Um, that's definitely what I would like to hopefully focus on. I do hope that the Republicans, with all of their problems, are going to be able to continue and resist the attempts by, you know, Obama to disarm everybody. That's really, I mean, I, I still, you know, I guess I can believe, but he says, yeah, you know, each time that this happens, he's just going to go out there and keep calling for gun control again, in effect. And he's hoping that it continues to happen, I gather. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I think there is something that he could do that would stop it from happening, which is to eliminate this idea of gun-free school zones. I'm pretty sure that if he decided that that was a thing to do, I mean, that's what he should be looking at. He should be looking at the statistics from Breitbart, where they say, again, you know, 92% of the mass shootings have happened in these gun-free 
zones. And as you said, Debbie, it's it's because it's a a soft target. Um, yeah, these yeah. people aren't brave. The people who go in there and shoot these places up, they're not brave. They don't. You don't see them going into like a, you know a shooting range or, or a rodeo or something like that where you might expect people to have guns. Only the gun results. So, um, now, uh, I don't know if the timing is coincidental or not, but did you see the New York Times had this piece, 27 Ways to Be a Modern Man? No, I didn't. But, oh, you know, unfortunately, I have to run. I, uh, I've got dinner plans with my husband. And, uh, oh, well, I, I thank you. I thank you for calling in and, and expressing your outrage here, Debbie, um, and definitely look forward to talking to you again yeah try to try to listen offline or later or whatever by the podcast if you can but have a great dinner yeah i'm looking forward to hearing that um it sounds interesting although perhaps not inspiring (laughs) so (laughs) i mean the article itself yeah the article itself from the new york times no definitely not okay you take care and we'll talk again soon all right okay take care bye now, in the chat room, while I was talking with Debbie, I saw that Flycatch um, had actually posted a link to the exact article that I have. And um, I've got this weird thing going on. It's reconnecting to server. Okay. I'm here in the chat again. Um, oh, UN is ready to take us over, but first the guns must go. Well, I'm thinking that's not going to happen at this point. I'm hoping at least the Republicans can save us from that. But yeah, Flycatch posted the same exact article that I've been talking to you guys about this one at the EU Times. And it's the one that I don't know whether it's of a reliable source. Um, The Pope was behind the whole thing. You know, the the Pope is something we could go to next. But because we're on the topic of gun control, I do want to talk to you about this New York Times piece, 27 Ways to Be a Modern Man courtesy of the New York Times. Let me go ahead and see if I can get you the exact date of the publication of this wonderful piece about what it is to be a modern man per the New York Times. Let me scroll into my archive here. And let's see. Oh, there's so many. Oh, yeah, here it is. Okay, modern man. This is... Oh, I don't know the date, actually. I'm sorry about that, because um, I, I put I have it in reader mode. And I printed it out. Anyway, there's, you know, 27 different little bits of tips, and it's, oh, how courteous he is, and he buys flowers for his wife, not just to say sorry, but to actually surprise her. Um, maybe he does have a melon baller for cantaloupe and watermelon, or maybe he doesn't, all of these weird things. But then when you get towards the end, you start to see the agenda because number 25 of 27 is the modern man has no use for a gun. He doesn't own one and he never will. Yeah, it looks like it was actually published on October 2nd. John Stewart, thanks in the chat room there, just gave it to us. So, um, Someone else was trying to say that Sir DMZ that it's uh, September 29th, but we'll have to see which one is right. 
Anyway, it happens to say, modern man has no use for a gun. So this is along the theme of this week. Doesn't own one and he never will. So if you own a gun, you are somehow gauche and not in the fashion of being a modern man. Uh, What comes without owning a gun? Number 26, the modern man cries. He cries often. Maybe he's going to cry more often if he doesn't have a gun, which means that he's going to be unable to defend himself and the people he loves. And then 27, after they talk about the fact that he doesn't own a gun and therefore he cries often, 27 is people aren't sure if the modern man is a good dancer or not. That is until the DJ plays his jam and he goes out there and puts on a clinic. And that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just put up with the fact that you're not supposed to have a gun. I mean, after all, you're not supposed to have a use for a gun. And right now, our government is putting us in a situation where increasingly we do have more of a use for a gun, unfortunately. And at the same time, there are many people who are in positions of power, like Barack Obama, and other Democrat politicians who are pushing for us to be disarmed at the exact moment when we have more of a need for it. Flycatch says that the European Union Times is a rag publication. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's what I feared. That's what I feared. So we're going to have to see if there's going to be any hard news sources that could verify this idea of... um, the you know the Oregon shooters suspect being on a terror list because I haven't seen any hard news source that has verified that yet. Other stories in nihilism and foreign policy. We've got as I said, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu was speaking before the UN this week. I understand that our United States UN representatives were very disrespectful to Netanyahu during this speech, but. Here is what he has to say in front of the UN, which is supposed to be a safeguard of human rights around the world. He says, 70 years after the murder of 6 million Jews, Iran's rulers promised to destroy my country, murder my people. And the response from this body, the response from nearly every one of the governments represented here has been absolutely nothing, utter silence, deafening silence. And then he held a 45-second silence, staring and glaring at all of these people, basically showing what nihilists they are to sit by and say nothing when a country is talking about destroying a positive value there in in the Middle East, namely Israel. There is a chart that I put on my own personal Facebook page. So if you follow me on Facebook, you'll be able to see it. And it is one that talks about the number of the UN Human Rights Council's condemnations of various countries. And it was like there's more condemnations of Israel than of all the other countries put together or something like that. And there's many countries who are serial rights violators, serial human rights violators, and they are not condemned by the UN Human Rights Council. We already talked before about Saudi Arabia being on this council and Saudi Arabia perhaps having already executed the 17-year-old who dared to take part in a, uh, you know, 
pro-democracy demonstration there. Anyway, Netanyahu has, as far as I understand, during uh, this particular speech, said, said also something that to me I found disappointing. He said that he is ready to immediately resume negotiations with Palestinians without preconditions. Uh, but he said, and he also said, even though there's the public disagreements with the U.S., the alliance between Israel and the United States is unshakable. If I was him, I would want to say, you know, certain things about the way that they've been treated by our current administration and that in general, you know, I think still we want to have that alliance. But maybe he's optimistic about whoever's going to be our next president and he doesn't want to to burn any bridges. But this idea of negotiating with the so-called Palestinians without preconditions, I don't think there should be that. I mean, at least he didn't say, I'm willing to negotiate and use the 1967 borders as a starting point, which is what some people have wanted to foist upon Israel. I guess that's a good thing. But I mean, can you imagine we have the so-called United Nations, which has a human rights council that is concerned with protecting the security and the rights of people around the world. And they sit by and do absolutely nothing while Iran threatens the destruction of Israel. And at the same time, people in the UN cheer this nuclear deal, which is going to make, you know, the destruction of Israel much more likely to happen. Um, They're talking about in here in the chat room, I'm reading a little bit, and they're talking about the fact that if we have a completely disarmed populace, that we would be made to swallow a list of permissions where our rights uh, once were much easier than, you know, to take uh, than gun owners. Like if we have gun owners, we'll do anything. Um, Oh, and then they're talking about some food. Oh, you guys are all cooking. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Not really. I had a, I had a pretty good dinner here. Let's let's uh, let's go on to our next story that I have. Again, let me get my little card. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Pope and meeting with Kim Davis or not meeting with Kim Davis. Did he or didn't he? And then if he did, what did it mean? And if you think of the Pope, I mean, here's the Pope. The Pope is the representative of the Catholic Church, which whether or not you are religious, the Catholic Church has sort of always been, um, you know, a, a representative of religion that you would respect, that you would consider more intellectual, at least more positive in value orientation. If you go and you visit the Vatican, it's a wonderful place with beautiful artwork. And when I think of the Pope, I mean, first of all, we talked a lot of, uh, last week about his speech to the UN and and what he was talking about with respect to wanting to control, um, you know, carbon consumption for the sake of the environment and how destructive, of course, that would be. But then if you just, you know, after he left, it was let out of the bag that he met with Kim Davis. And again, Kim Davis, she's gotten all this attention, but what has she done she basically decided she didn't want to do her job because she wasn't happy that uh, homosexuals are going to be allowed to marry, which to me 
you know, and the way that she did it and the way that they had sort of their little press conference that looked like a little religious revival where they were happy about the fact that they were denying, uh, you know, homosexuals the right to marry, you know, and this is somehow this wonderful thing that she was doing uh, versus, you know, maybe you say, I've got my religious beliefs, but, you know, I'm conflicted or something like that. No, there wasn't any of that. It was, you know, she was, just rejoicing in what she was doing and, and almost giving a sermon to the assembled people. So there's that spectacle. And to think that the Pope would, you know, associate himself with that kind of circus to me, I thought was rather demeaning of the entire thing. Of course, I think he's also been demeaning the office of the Pope with, if you can call it an office in the same way that Obama has been, you know, demeaning and, and, you know, practicing nihilism with respect to the office of the president. There's a lot of things that Obama has done that have been not, not dignified at all, not the typical thing that you would expect of a, of a president. And um, I don't know with the, with the Pope, you know, I, I saw him meeting with Kim Davis as that. And then he tried to say, well, he met with her, but then it didn't mean he endorsed her or what she was doing, but how does that, how are we not supposed to take that as an implication? Um, Freedom Bree says, oh, he's a cool Pope who hangs with the people. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, no. And, and, and it was funny because at the New York Times, they were saying, well, what happened to the cool Pope? Because they thought he was a cool Pope until he met with Kim Davis. They liked the side of him that in effect was encouraging nihilism for the sake of the so-called environment but they don't like the side of him that is in effect practicing nihilism for, um, you know, basically for, for someone like Kim Davis, who says that she's standing up for her beliefs. What about New York city, New York city once it, I mean, probably still one of the greatest cities in the entire world, but now it's leadership is, you know, doing things that are making it less great in a, in a way. So we, of course, had the uh, clock boy going around being honored in all sorts of places that he should never be. And Mayor de Blasio of New York met with him. And I think he even declared a day in honor of this kid. So there was that. But then we also have this story about the New York City Council honoring Ethel Rosenberg for great bravery. And who is Ethel Rosenberg? Who was Ethel Rosenberg? She was a woman who was executed with her husband for espionage in 1953. And now she was honored this Monday by the city council in New York on what would have been her 100th birthday. So there were three council members. They were joined by the Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer, and they issued these proclamations, and they said that she demonstrated great bravery in leading a 1935 strike against the National New York Packing and Supply Company, where she worked as a clerk. So, in effect, she was practicing communist ideology here. They say that uh, she was wrongfully executed for helping her husband Julius passed atomic secrets to the Soviet Union. And here is a quote 
from one of the councilmen, New York City councilmen, said this, said, quote, a lot of hysteria was created around anti-communism and how we had to defend our country. And these two people were traitors and we rushed to judgment and they were executed, end quote. As if, you know, we should basically not execute people who give atomic secrets to our enemy in the time of war. I, I don't see how that is. So anything, anything is forgiven. Um, there's a nice picture of the various councilmen all smiling, and they went ahead and commended her for great bravery for acting in, you know, in accordance with her communist ideology here and then apparently saying oh it was unfair to uh to execute her one other story now who is this oh um ellsworth to enshrining mediocrity in order to destroy greatness yes um and, and this is really the point ellsworth to is uh you know, the character in the fountainhead. And he said that, yes, what you, what you do is you enshrine mediocrity and you destroy greatness. Um, this is what I am thinking of when I see this kid, Ahmed Muhammad being honored everywhere that he goes, being invited on television shows. As far as I know, he didn't do anything special. And in fact, he was probably playing a prank of some kind at his school. Um, you know, it took him all day for some teacher to finally get, you know, what was going on, that this was supposed to look like a bomb or something. And what, he's going to the White House? And then here we have Chris Mintz, who, as I said, a couple days ago, took seven bullets, charging a shooter. And that guy, who is a wonderful hero, is not being invited to the White House. The four guys who in France charged a terrorist who would have killed a whole lot of people. They are not being invited. Yeah. Rosenberg's, uh, yeah, they, they're the one who are getting celebrated and the soldier is ignored for real heroism. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, Flycat says, why is it that Americans are their own worst enemies? Some Americans are our own worst enemies, but not all of them. And people like Chris Mintz, we need definitely more people like that. Um, but yeah, what are you doing? You're enshrining someone like Ahmed Mohammed. You are, you know, honoring him. Who's at Microsoft gave him all sorts of wonderful, like $10,000 worth of goodies and stuff. And he's all over the place enjoying his much more longer than 15 minutes of fame. And at the same time, other people are being ignored, people who I think, you know, are much more worthy of the attention. What about practicing nihilism in, with respect to yourself? And let me see if I can pull this story up here because I want to get a little bit more detail about it. Um, okay, I'm going to pull it up. Yeah, North Carolina woman blinds herself because she self-identified as blind. And as I understand it, she actually had, yeah, she had drain cleaner poured in her eyes in order to blind herself, to destroy her vision. Our vision, of course, is a crucial sense in terms of, you know, going out there and being able to be productive and do the things that you need to do in your day and enjoy life. 
but nonetheless, um, this woman decided that she wanted to throw that all away intentionally. I mean, right now, there, I've seen stories in the last couple of weeks about wonderful technology that's going to start making people who were once blind able to see. And imagine that we have all of these people struggling to try to either restore or for the first time in their life enjoy their vision. And here is this woman who has decided she had this, you know, she had perfect vision or great vision at least, and decided to throw it all away. Um, Her name is Jewel Shooping. She was born with perfectly healthy eyes. But she told Barcroft TV in a recent interview that growing up there, there was always something missing for her. She says, by the time I was six, I remember that thinking about being blind made me feel comfortable, she said. She fantasized constantly about losing her vision and spent hours staring directly at the sun after her mother warned her that it would damage her eyes. At first, she simply pretended to be blind, going about with sunglasses on, her eyes closed, using a cane to navigate. She also became fluent in Braille, but then after a while, she decided it just wasn't enough. Um, This is a quote from her. By the time I was 21, it was nonstop alarm that was going off, she says. So she did the only rational thing. She got a sympathetic psychologist to pour drain cleaner in her eyes. She said, I laid down on the sofa and he sat next to me, dropped two drops into each eye. In the moment, all I could think of was, I'm going blind. It's going to be okay. When I woke up the following day, I was joyful until I turned on my back, opened my eyes, and could see the TV screen. And thankfully, over the next six months, her eyes gradually failed due to the damage. And then she was finally blind like she always dreamed. She says she has no regrets. Quote, I really feel this is the way I was supposed to be born, that I should have been blind from birth. She initially told family members her blindness was due to an accident, but they later found out the truth. And her mother and sister cut off contact. Um. Officially, it's called body integrity identity disorder is what she said to have. An ailment where people with healthy bodies strongly desire a disability. And I've heard of stories of, um, sorry, that was a horrible sound. I hit a chord here. Um, And I'm getting this weird reconnect thing on the server. I hope you guys can still hear me. Um, Where people have actually tried to amputate limbs, healthy limbs, perfectly healthy limbs, to me, this idea of putting this out here is encouraging a culture of nihilism where you're going to have people read this and say, oh, I identify with this too. And why don't I go ahead and do the same? John in the chat room says she probably should not own a gun. Yeah, I mean, this is the one thing. If, if there are things that you can do that you can be objective about where you say, okay, if there's somebody who has done certain things like this, just self-destructive things or, you know, destructive of others, and that you can identify those objectively as risk factors for people having guns, then yes, let's go ahead and, and do those things. What gets a little dicey is if they start having some sort of ideological test for who can and cannot own guns. Oh, people can hear me. That's great. Excellent. Um, yeah, self-flagellation of any kind must be under that umbrella. Um, I mean, to me, you know, here she is, she was perfectly able to care for herself, to go about her daily activities. And 
she's hindered that because of some issue of psychology. I mean, you would think that regardless of how strong a desire like that is, that you and any rational person would try to help you resist and try to, you know, get you to see sight as a value, as the value that it is take you and show you all of the beautiful things. I mean, this last week we got to witness this wonderful, you know, lunar eclipse that you wouldn't be able to see if you were blind. It's yeah. John says in the chat room, it's actually sad because she's probably actually suffering from a problem. Right. And then what's the answer if you're suffering from, from a problem, is it to actually destroy, you know, perfectly working parts of a body that are doing exactly what they're supposed to do? Or would it be to try to actually treat her? Hmm, you're hearing some clips. Freedom Breeze says she's hearing some clips. It might be the case that we're going to end up thinking that the Skype is going to be better sound than this in the long term. So overall, I'll have you guys evaluate towards the end here. I do have a call that I'm going to grab and take. Hi, who's this? Bosch. Hi, Bosch. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine, although I'm talking about all of these horrible nihilistic stories, and it's it's getting me down. I don't know if you heard at the it's beginning, sick. but I, I listed, I thought, oh, I just had a few stories. And, and the few stories that I had in mind, I had in mind, of course, the shooting. I had in mind Obama's speech and his call for the, you know, the media to go out and do yeah. his dirty work. Um, I had oh, in yeah. mind the New York, the New York City mayor and the New York City council honoring people who either were evil or not worthy. I had in mind the Pope, you know, visiting Kim Davis. I had in mind this blind woman. But then there's these other stories, too. Um, I think you shared this one. There was a story about some European youth, some students, I guess, that were cheering someone who offered a justification of the Charlie Hebdo massacre. Is that right? Is that possible that people would cheer? Yes, it is. It was uh, at a college, I think, in Ireland, and uh, a scum Muslim was up there, and he was uh, kept condemning. He was trying to basically uh, accuse Charlie Hebdo of all of the bad history of France, and he made the point that this is basically payback without saying it, and the audience of uh, Irish youth cheered on the fact that they got what was coming to them. And you read that, and you're like, am I reading this right? Am I reading this correctly? Because it's so evil. It's so sick. It's so self-destructive of those who are even, uh, you know, la- laughing and cheering on this scumbag. Uh, that, but it's believable. And, and you know, I, I read those things, and I'm like, uh, I wouldn't have put that in the infidel in my comic book. It's too, it's too unrealistic, even for a comic book. But, you know... Next issue, who knows? Might be putting some along those lines. Maybe uh, Killian the hero is, is in a debate with a Muslim, and uh, <laughs> things are certain. Certain things are said, and uh, you have a cheering crowd of young little rats, and that's what they are. They're little rats. Uh, they are like uh, they're spitting in the face of reality, uh, in the face of truth, in the face of what is. And uh, right. it's like a collective. I mean, kind this, of, this, kind of this is, this is know, like this somebody, is political like, correctness go, you know, run completely amok. Yeah, to the point of it's 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 um, celebrating mass murder, celebrating it, and saying and whooping it up. 
It's like it's like the uh, quote unquote Palestinians on 9/11 whooping it up. There were videos of them, and those are like no one ever shows them anymore. They were literally laughing and dancing in the streets, eating candy, and saying, oh, "Oh, this this is great. This is great." Remember, even uh, Brit Fumes uh, said, "Oh, look at them! Look at them!" He he, he couldn't even pretend that he wasn't outraged, you know. But uh, right. it's evil, absolutely evil. And uh, again, you, you you read these stories like. I think this is real. I, I mean, is it real? I mean, some stories we tell you, you read the Onion. You're not quite sure sometimes these days. You know, it's like, is that the Onion or is that not the Onion? But yeah, so this guy was writing and this guy um, uh, was debating a Muslim and he was absolutely outraged. Uh, I don't know where he's coming from. He might be a liberal. I'm not sure, but he was. Um, he would not allow this issue to be. Uh, turn it to what it was. I mean, he wants to see it as clearly as it is, that this was evil. And it's, it's, it's a kind of collective kind of evil where one individual might not might not do that, might not cheer it on, but if you have a few and then a few more, then it becomes a collective mob of, uh, you know, these little rats uh, cheering on the death of innocence, the murder of innocence. Sick. Right. And that blind right. lady, she had a brain problem. She's sick in the head. She's self-destructive. And this guy who did that, I mean, I, that could be criminal. I mean, it really, really could be criminal. But I don't know. Legally, I don't know how they would do that. Yeah, I mean, imagine this is, this is a psychologist who's cut off. If you can hear me, I can't hear you. I don't know. Something's wrong. If you can hear me, there there were little blips and sounds here and there earlier. I noticed. Okay, I have made myself live on my phone. Can you hear me? I'm speaking now using my phone. Are you guys able to hear me at all? Hello, hello. You can hear me. Okay, I am on a phone, so I have no idea what this sound is like. And I hope that also um, that Bosch will be able to call back in and maybe I'll be able to talk to him as well. This is a strange way to do the show, but thank you. Who is it that came up with this idea here in the chat room? Was it Mark? Who did it? Who gets the credit? This is awesome. The sound is not bad. That's great. And actually, I'm sitting here. I'm holding it. I don't even have my fun, you know, headphones that I normally use when I talk on the phone. It's much better. Yeah, it sounds like a phone. That's what it is. Um, But, yeah, if Bosch – oh, yeah, okay, now Bosch has called in. So here I'm going to do it. Are you there? Yeah, so what happened? Okay, so now we're talking by the phone. The only way that I can connect right now is using the phone. I had to dial in. 
I mean, just block talk, you know. So I'm going to keep using the Skype until they've ironed out all this, because this was the first time that I it's tried ridiculous. to direct connect again. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, Very it's pretty annoying. crazy. It's it's pretty crazy. So maybe this is more nihilism, right? Oh, the destruction of right. values. They they go out there and they dangle the direct connect button in front of me. Yeah, a nihilist a nihilist was listening. So yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now I was trying to go out there and get some of the jobs data report. We know that our government's manipulation of the economy and all these quantitative expansions and all the phony garbage has destroyed the ability to recover. And the the unemployment rate is pitiful. Is it is. pitiful. But the, but the, but the media will, will do their best to pretend there's a quote-unquote recovery, nonetheless. Oh, no, there's of course, a quote-unquote recovery, yeah. The the one thing that they're saying though, the New York Times has a, a headline: "Grim Jobs Report is likely to delay a move by the Fed on rates." So the Fed is going to keep the effective borrowing rate at zero forever and ever, which of course is, is, oh, is no. destructive of the destructive way, of value. It's the destructive of people's savings you know of everything sorry, else. You know what? One second, one second. I was I was on the phone and uh, I guess people heard me. Some people, you know, like, I I hope I didn't say anything that was uh, terrible, but I, I may have. <laughs> I thought it was off the air, possibly. Or maybe not. I don't know. But uh, this, so, this, this, uh, hello? Oh, you mean, so you think you were swearing and such when I couldn't hear you? Possible. It's, it's very possible. So mm. people were able to hear me, but not, but not you. And I hope it wasn't bad. If people could let me know, because uh, sometimes I get a little riled up at these things, but I hope not. I got a little oh, worried. Well. Oh, um, Sir DMZ in the chat room says that you were polite. Okay, good. Because that's, that's, so that's, that's good. rare of me. Yeah, good. Thank you. Considering I had no idea what was. I mean, imagine what that. Imagine that. That was terrible. I got disconnected from my own show. And then you were sitting there able to, you know, you could hijack my show. People can hijack my show. And I'm not even able to hear what they say. So luckily it was um, you and not, you know. Yeah, it was, it was a, a nihilist at uh, Blog Talk. I mean, that's it. Some nihilist hack at Blog Talk. I think they just haven't quite figured out this direct connect thing to make it reliable yet. So... So we've got our uh, government destroying, and then there are these bright spots of like, you know like, development. Like the, in, like, well, wait, like like the infidel pigman on Kindle, Amazon, on Amazon. Oh, Kindle. Is, is, it, is, is, it, is it time? Is it time to talk about that? Well, you said bright spots, so that's that, that's a bright. No, spot. I was I was talking about the bright spots, the bright spots in the economy. So these new, basically free market entities, Uber, Airbnb, where, you know, a lot of people have been saying, oh, these are like high-tech developments, but really what these are is these are instances of the free market operating within this whole overly regulated economy. And now we have our Federal Trade Commission chief calling for, quote, targeted regulation of Uber and Airbnb, because, you know, we cannot let the free market actually no. operate. No. 
We have migrants in Europe. We have migrants in Europe storming the Eurotunnel. We have them spreading disease in Greece. Um, there's a lot of destruction out there at the at the hands of people. One of the worst is that late passenger who phoned in a bomb threat so he wouldn't miss the flight. That is so ugly. And think about it. that person said, "Oh yeah, I got a great idea. You won't miss it. Check it out." And uh, I guess they'll pay a price, though, right? There, there's, I mean, there, there are laws. Oh, I, th- I think, I think he was jailed. So. I think yeah. he was jailed. Yeah, yeah. So. He stopped everyone's movement because he was too late for whatever. Uh, that's his problem. So, yeah. so, yeah. so you, you're you're on your you're on your phone. This is how you're doing the show now. I'm. I mean, this is you know basically 19th century technology, right? So yeah, just just. Uh, you talk about bright, bright spots. Uh, people who are listening, if you read uh, The Infidel, I really, really appreciate it, especially uh, the latest issue, issue three. Bonds have been unbelievable. Uh, I, you know, People more or less agree. I think it's my best issue. A lot of readers agree with that. But it's available now on uh, Amazon Kindle. And, um, I mean, if you're if you are used now, to didn't, comicology... Now, didn't, um, didn't that comic reach number one over the past did. week? It did on so, the uh, Comicsology Submit, which is their independent uh, category, independent creator category. So it was there for about a week. It, it, it was knocked off, I think, yesterday by this one romance, romance comic, but it might get back. Uh, Pamela Geller posted about my comic today, and uh, a lot of people um, commenting and sharing it, and a lot of likes, over a 1,000 likes she got on Facebook, so it was really, really cool. And I got a few other people, um, some big guns that uh, – I more or less uh, interact with after Garland that hopefully might be willing to say a good word about it. That'll be great. And we'll see in the next okay. few weeks. Okay. Okay. That's excellent. And then um, you are also making this available now on Kindle. Is that correct? Yeah. What's the difference yeah. between Kindle and Comixology? Well, a lot of people have, have their Kindles. A lot of people have, are used to, to a Kindle. Non-comic book readers might prefer it. If you like comics, though, comicsology is superior. I mean, in terms of the panelization, in terms of the guided view. But, you know, uh, it's it's on Kindle. If you have a Kindle, you can definitely read it. It's as clear as day. The isolation panel thing might not be as sophisticated as, uh, as comicsology. Now, explain, explain, it's, it's, explain isolation panel. What, sure. is, what does that mean? Uh, basically, you get, like, a lot of panels on a comic book page. Like, you know, let's say 10, 10 different uh, – uh, boxes of of all the uh, drawings that are being you know told uh, what's called by by in uh, in a comic book style, and you can tap on the panel and it expands and goes. You get a nice big shot of it, and uh, then you can look at it and uh, you, you can isolate the art via dialogue. Um, and on Amazon, it's just not as good. And one thing about Amazon, it it, it brings up the panel and it darkens every every other panel. I guess it seems pretty cool, but Comixology has the, has that one panel on the entire page. It fills up okay. the entire page. It, if it's like a square thing, it fills up the entire page. If it's like a, a long rectangle, it won't. It won't. But it's just. Uh, I mean, look, look. Believe me, if you have if you have a Kindle, you can enjoy it. Especially if you just read it as it is on the comic page. If you read it like that, then it's totally comparable to uh, Comixology. But the panel isolation guided view where you, where you tap the panels is superior on Comixology. That's all. Okay. Just the, the technology is somewhat superior in the yeah, software, because, the application yeah, itself. Ex- exactly. Because okay. there, I mean, Comixology is comic book reading. You know, Kindle is for novels. 
is for anything. I mean, it's for everything. Uh, pros, but but the fact that they have what about become, what about what about the quality of you know the colors and the visuals and stuff I in mean, general but, is it, it's still I mean, really but, good on the Kindle. Okay, good. I mean, good. I mean, I mean one, okay. one thing I did notice uh, is that it looks a little uh, desaturated, which I don't mind personally. A slightly right. desaturated, which I don't mind. So, so basically, some, not not quite before. not quite as bright, not quite as bright on not the Kindle. not quite as bright, which okay. in some in some ways, uh, for certain things, it's you know, it could be better. But it is available on uh, on Kindle. And again, uh, I've been ignored by the comic book industry uh, as if the life depended on it. Uh, I've been I've been on television more than any other cartoonist for for you know last year year. And uh, so if you if you really if you want to support it, I would really really appreciate it uh, because I want. We've this got. To We've got yeah. we've got less than a minute, so where should they okay. go? Okay, uh, Amazon, Amazon.com, and look up Kindle and look up my name, Pigman, The Infidel, Boss Faustin, or Comicsology. If you're used to reading comics, Comicsology. If you have a Kindle, if you have a Kindle app, whatever, that's fine. Right. Uh, I would, okay, I would well, I've got to I've got to call it quits because Blog Talk's going to cut us off in thirty seconds here. Well, um, good job. I, I, I don't. On the air. Yeah, I, I really thank my listener who suggested this in the chat room for me to call in. Go to don'tletitgo.com if you want to go ahead and uh, leave some comments for the week. I'm sorry we've had such a hard time with the technology here. Next time we will be on Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, and I'll talk to you guys, everybody, next week. So take care. Take care.